For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. So it's it's for me it's more like a wayfinder. Architecture mm-hmm. is more like a wayfinder for me. Like even from here, where are we going to go? How are people going to be living? What are the mm. you know how is things going to change? Is it going to change for the better? You know how how are living conditions going to be changed? All that mm-hmm. is something which is very defined to how we define it as architects and how architecture plays such a big role in shaping the future. To enter the Akyan Podcast, Akyan Podcast, India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of the Akyan Podcast. That was a small snippet from today's episode with our guest Rohan Rathi of Rathi Associates. Now, before we head to the episode, I just want to make a small announcement that the rest of the podcast would be on video, and you could access the video version by heading to YouTube or heading to akyan.com/youtube. You can also listen to it in the audio format. But if you'd like to see me and my guests, and also some slides which we would be sharing throughout the episode, you can head to. akyan.com/youtube and don't forget to subscribe and like as well now let's head to the episode and what you're going to learn from this episode this is a journey about rathi associates and rohan rathi who is a second generation architect and also a partner at rathi associates let me give you a brief about them so rathi associates was founded in the year 1976 by his father bh rathi So they've had over 40 plus years of experience in the industry and they've completed various typologies of projects like commercial interiors residential uh, institutional hospitals you name it they built it so you're going to learn the entire journey and how they got started and we're also going to learn about Rohan's journey how he got into architecture in fact he's got a degree in computer science before he pursued his architecture degree in the UK and we dwell into the various projects that they've completed uh, how they've transitioned during the covid pandemic this episode was recorded in the month of april so they talk about how they've transitioned and it's rather been a smooth transition for them we also talk about the architectural education system and how we could potentially improve the quality of architectural education we talk about rathi learning school which is one of the institutes rathi associates has started for interior design and we talk about technology in architecture implementation of bim and towards the end like always we have some great advice and we also have an awesome section called dissect the project where rohan is going to be taking us through one of his favorite projects working at rathi associates which is the experience center at wipro in bangalore so he's going to be running us through the entire project and it's quite interesting So that was a small brief on the episode we'll jump right to the episode if you want more podcast show notes links and more head to akyan.com/45 
Now, with that much said, let's head right to the episode. This is our guest, Rohan Rati. Let's go. Growing up, you know, design was not something which was really alien to me. Mm-hmm. It was very much part of our everyday life. And, um, you know, very honestly, while growing up, I think uh, our home was like a design lab. You know, mm-hmm. all the first experimentations on design that happened, happened on our, on our mm-hmm. home. So I've, I've always been exposed to design. I think, um, you know, given the kind of exposure I had to design, I think it's just natural for someone to want to kind of, you know, explore something different, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where I took up uh, my bachelor's in computer science. So I actually did my bachelor's in computer science, but by the end of, uh, you know, my final year, mm-hmm. I had kind of decided it's, this is something not that I can do full-time as a career. Mm-hmm. So after I finished my computers, I started working in real estate. I worked with a developer in Bangalore. And during that phase is when, you know, my dad being the architect, Rati Associates were designing at that point of time for mm-hmm. the particular developer I was working with. And during that phase, I had a lot of interaction with the design team, with my father. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where my interest and love grew for architecture. Awesome. So from there, I applied for architectural school and okay. went and finished my architectural schooling. Nice. Yeah, so that's how the journey started for me. Yeah, it's interesting actually because uh, a lot of us these days have so much of uh, interest in coding and computer science. Um, that, you know, there's a big overlap between computer science and architecture these days. True. And I think, I think that was one of the areas of interest for me as well, right? Because mm-hmm. computers be so widely taken up in our country and mm-hmm. especially living in Bangalore with all the software development and things like that, mm-hmm. right? I think that was a natural transition that happened. But I guess I should have stuck to my roots, mm-hmm. but I guess it's never too late, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, I honestly believe like, you know, you have to keep learning as an architect, you need to keep, you know, exposing yourself to different things. You always have to keep adapting, learning, uh, you need to keep growing. So I think, uh, finally I made a good call. It's good that, uh, there is, you know, that background of architecture and, uh, going forward, even implementing some amount of coding you could, because architecture encompasses all these fields, right? It's a great, uh, feel to you know explore what you like and in a way no, also definitely yeah definitely i think i think it's been an advantage for me in fact uh, you know i i think it's worked in the reverse direction for me because you know before i went into architectural school mm. i i had this background with computers which was great right it helps me a lot more today when i'm you know working with different softwares and things mm. like that and with all the new softwares that you know you have today, where you have Rhino, you have uh, Grasshopper, which requires a lot of coding to some yeah, level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? So that that definitely works as an advantage. Um, also, I think my entire education happened pretty much in the reverse direction, right? Because mm-hmm. I actually went on site first. Yeah. Right. I got into development, so I was on site learning you know, site difficulties, construction difficulties. Mm. I was actually, you know, working as in full-time site engineer where I was doing site marking, centerline markings. I was, you know, making labor payments. I was doing things like that, right? Mm. So it was great experience I got in, you know, construction realities before I actually got into architecture. 
And then once I started architecture, I think I got the other aspect of things, which was mm-hmm. a lot of work in terms of conceptual design and things like that. And also you built this strong sense for design, right? Design being a part of all our lives and uh, how you can integrate it with your projects or with everything, not only just the projects. Yeah. So, I mean, I think architecture transcends, right? You can't, I mean, I, I think it's really defined. It's really difficult to kind of define it as a constant, right? Mm. Because I think, you know, design just influences you in so many ways, right? My, I mm. remember my final year thesis when I was in college, right? My dissertation actually was mm. on, uh, on, you know, looking at these buildings and how they kind of, um, in, uh, how they really influence everyday lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at what's happening even today, right? With all yeah. the pandemic that we're going through right now. I think uh, for me, architecture is like, and you know, it's more of an exploration. It's more of experimentation. Mm-hmm. It's where you need to take risks because, you know, even when you approach a project, it's not something that you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a starting point, but that whole journey through the whole project where you come to your final, you know, design is is an experimentation that you're doing, right? You're exploring mm-hmm. and, and you, you should be willing to take risks. So it's, it's for me, it's more like a wayfinder. Architecture mm-hmm. is more like a wayfinder for me. Like even from here, where are we going to go? How are people going to be living? What are the, mm-hmm. you know, how is things going to change? Is it going to change for the better? You know, how, how are living conditions going to be changed? All that mm-hmm. is something which is very defined to how we define it as architects and how architecture plays such a big role in shaping the future. Absolutely. And uh, how much of an influence did your dad have on you since uh, he's a veteran architect and he's been part of the industry for more than 40, 50 years. So uh, there was, must have been a profound influence on you. Of course, uh, you shifted to architecture from computer science, but uh, how much did you feel that your dad influenced you as an architect now? Oh, great amount. Great amount. I mean, I have complete respect for my dad. I mean, admiration for him as an architect, for his dedication, uh, for his commitment to the subject. I think, you know, before I started architectural school in mm. London, I, I had done a couple of design courses here. I had mm-hmm. interacted intensively with my father. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I pretty much knew exactly what architecture is, how the profession is, uh, my dad's a really passionate architect, right? He's uh, so it's been a great experience for me. In fact, I know while studying in London once, uh, mm. my tutor there he he kind of commented that you know I mean because my ideas were when when I started school were kind of already fixated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So he had this thing with me that you know my God you know your ideas are so fixated you need to kind of leave what you've learned and, you know, go through a complete new exactly. conceptual it's new process. relearning. Right. And, uh, so th- there was definitely, I mean, I think it's been a great influence. I've had a lot of learning from him. Hmm. Uh, he's always been very, very supportive of whatever I do. So it's been, it's been very good experience. All right. And could you also briefly tell us about your time in architecture school in London? Uh, that was a three-year or a four-year course. Uh, how long was it? 
So I got a lot of credit. It's it's a six year course. Okay. Right. I when I went there, I I like I told you, I had done a lot of foundation courses here. Mm-hmm. I had done a lot of design courses. Um, you know, I had a whole lot of experience. So I got I got a two year credit. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it was a four year course that I finished over there. I did my part two. And um, uh, London was great experience uh, because, you know, studying in India, I think it's a lot more tutored. Mm. Right. It's a lot more tutored. I think uh, we're always waiting for, you know, approval on every step that we take. And I think that's just how Indian education system is. Mm. Right. But I think um, when when I went to London, I I knew you know the education was expensive, so mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of money to get that education. And uh, for first couple of year, first couple of semesters, I was wondering if they're even going to teach me anything, you know, because it's such a different way of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it really taught me how to self learn, which at the end of it, I think was a great experience, right? I, I mean, I think it's. It was just a great learning for me because by the time I finished, you know, it just gave me so much more insight about being experimental about your work, about uh, taking the risks, about pushing the boundaries and just doing things on your own, right? Going, researching things, doing things on your own, not always sitting and waiting for someone's approval, Mm. right? So I think that was great experience. And also I think the conceptual uh, design work that mm. I I kind of did while I was there was amazing experience, right? Because I had already had so much experience in uh, construction rea- uh, site realities exactly. over here. So getting that exposure to conceptual design was amazing. And did you feel that since you had uh, so much of experience already, um, it limited your creativity to a bit because uh, in a way, you know so much of, uh, I mean, architecture is also art with constraints, right? So that's what I said, you know, when I went there, right, because I had already worked uh, before going there in Mm. real estate, you know, I had interacted immensely with uh, uh, the team at Rati Associates on design. Mm -hmm. I was working with the developer. So I I did have some preconceived Mm. notions, preconceived ideas, on how I wanted things, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was in in the first few semesters. That was a big uh, challenge that I faced. But I think, but I think once I understood the process of approaching projects, design with a, you know building a story around your design, you know approaching it in a very conceptual manner. I think that was that was very interesting for me to learn. Right. Awesome. And post that, you did get to work in London for a while, right? I did. So I started working while I was studying. Okay. Uh, I was doing a part-time with KPF, that's mm-hmm. Peterson Forest. So in my final year, I started working with them. And then I continued to work with them for some time. Um, so while there, I worked on some very interesting projects with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked with them for a while and then moved back to India and joined Rati Associates. Right. So I came back, I mean, um, you know, we've been, um, Rati Associates, the dad's been working on multiple projects. We do both architecture and interiors in our office, mm-hmm. right? So, and we kind of concentrate on residential, commercial, hospitality, industrial. Those are the main four f- focus areas. Mm-hmm. 
So came back and you know was just overwhelmed with the work, but it was great learning. It's been a great experience, you know, just interacting with the team, working on all these diverse uh, projects uh, currently. So it's been it's overall been a very satisfying experience for me. And you also worked your way up uh, in spite of being the partner or uh, so, you know founder of. So honestly, I think you know we have a very collaborative way of working, right? Mm-hmm. I I don't think there's anything like you know owner, uh, son, mm-hmm. or staff in our office, right? right? I think I think it's all about your experience level. It's all about your expertise. I think we're a very passionate bunch of uh, you know professionals who work together. Mm. And I, I, I think we have a very informal way of working. I mean, I've never thought of it in a way that, you know, um, I'm to say I'm Mr. Rati's son or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's been, it's been a very professional way of working at our office. And we enjoy working like that, right? Where everyone is synergizing, everyone is coming up with creative ideas. You know, there's no ego while working. So it's, it's, it's a fun environment. All right. And could you briefly tell us about uh, how Rati Associates started and uh, Rati Sir's, uh, you know, he's also worked for the biggest firms, right? Like SOM and a uh, few so, others. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he was, he was with SOM in their Chicago office. Mm-hmm. And uh, while in SOM, he was working on some of the biggest projects around the world. I think the last project he worked on before he moved to India was the Sears Star. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, when he came to India, he, he just loved Bangalore. He loved mm-hmm. the city. Uh, we didn't have anyone in Bangalore. Bangalore is completely new to him. Right. Yeah, And back but in Bangalore, was super beautiful also. Right. Yeah, it was, I think the weather, I mean, even till date, honestly, you know, you yeah. go anywhere around the country. Finally, you come back to Bangalore. It's a breath of fresh air. You know, the traffic kills you today. Yeah. But even then, I think even today, the weather is just amazing compared to other cities in India. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, when at, at that point of time, it must have been lovely, I'm sure, mm. right, compared to today. So he loved the city, decided to settle down here. Two years, I don't think he had a single thing to design. Right? Okay. And nothing at all. But then I think he was he was really confident about, you know, when he gets his first project, that will change things, right? And that's exactly mm. what happened when he got his first project. After that, I think he just grew the firm from strength to strength. Mm. Uh, today, we're a strong team of uh, guys working together. We've completed over, I think, 800,000 projects across India and abroad. Oh, you know, wow. We continue to work in multiple cities in India. We're working in most of the metros. We're working in uh, the second tier cities. We're doing uh, some works in Europe currently. Mm, nice. So I think that's been a very interesting story for him as well. Yeah, and the transition from US to India must have been uh, pretty challenging, right? Because your uh, things are not so, you know, it's straightforward and you have to go through various uh, uh, hurdles, right? So, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I think, yes, transitioning to India itself, definitely when you have a secure job over there, when, you know, you're working with a big architectural firm, you know, everything is taken care of. And then to take a decision to come back to India where you have no work, right? Mm-hmm. And to settle down in a city where there's no work, that's a tough decision to take in itself, uh, right? But he was he was very certain that, you know, he wants to start off 
his own practice. He does not want to be, um, he, wa he wants to be doing, I mean, we've always kept the firm boutique, right? Because I think every project that we take, we like to spend time on it. We like interaction on it. We like debate mm. on it, right? We like, to, we like to give a lot of time to the project, right? So I think that was the driving factor. And he was, I think he always wanted to start his own firm. So once he took a call to come back to India, I don't think there was any looking back. You know, whether it was hard, not hard, he knew he's going to be here. All right. Um, what would you say were, uh, would be the biggest differences, you know, with projects in the 2000s and now? Like how much of a progress have we made as architects uh, in the industry? So Manish, I think principles remain the same, right? The principles that you design on, I mean, there've been some fantastic architects in the past. You have some, you know, some of the greats whose works are even till date, uh, you know, studied. I mean, you look at uh, some of the architects like Mies van der Rohe and all these guys who created fantastic, look at Frank Lloyd Wright. They created some fantastic work uh, in the 70s or, you know, things like that. Right. So I think the principles don't change. Right. You need to stay true to what you want to do. Everyone has a different way of approaching design. Everyone has a different way of looking at things. Right. But yes, I think one major difference that has come is due to technology and software. Mm. Right. I think the pace of things have changed. The pace at which things get done has changed. Right. Uh, today, things happen uh, at the click of a button on the mouse, you mm. know. It's, it's that quick. I mean, you're working on a design for a week and then you send it to the client and you have comments or, you know, uh, uh, suggestions back within mm. a um, pan of within a couple of hours. So that, that pace has definitely changed, right? So the amount of time that you get to really sit and spend on design, I think has reduced, mm. right? which I think, uh, I mean, you can call it good, you can call it bad. We, we as a firm like to spend most of our time in design, right? Okay. We like to spend that initial time spent on a project, researching the project to kind of sp spend that initial time in getting the design out, mm. right? So, so that is definitely changed. Um, I think going forward, yes. I mean, you know, earlier I remember in office uh, when I would talk to people working in office, they would send a drawing. It was all manual drafting, right? Mm. It was all manual drafting. They'd send a drawing. They'd send it by courier. It'll reach the client. The client will take two, three days. Then mm. you courier it back. So you get a proper five, six days before anything can come back. Yeah. Right? Today, it's all over emails, you know, making it, making it even faster today. You know, you get onto these WhatsApp groups. There are multiple projects which have multiple people on WhatsApp groups. There are site mm -hmm. photos being sent to you on WhatsApp groups. So technology has definitely changed things, right? Also, I think, you know, with softwares like Rhino, Grasshopper, and all these things, the way mm -hmm. buildings are being conceptualized today would have been much harder to do back in the days. You know, you can't do those buildings without, a, uh, yeah. without technology software. being... A partner with you yeah absolutely but don't you I feel that so. uh, our industry i mean not um, the industry like the industry in india in general is not progressing as much as what's happening in the west or uh, we're not in par in terms of you know like implementation of bim or uh, 
you know, like large scale projects, utilizing BIM to be more efficient so that for the long run, even the life cycle of the project is benefited. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't say the design industry. I think Indian design industry is one of the best anywhere in the world, right? Mm. You have some really good designs coming out of India today. Mm. I think there's some amazing work happening over here, right? Uh, yes, I think in terms of technology, we've been slow to adapt to it. Mm. But I think it'll happen. I think it, it even has to do with, you know, the uh, labor involvement that we have in our country. Mm-hmm. Labor is cheap. You know, so there are many factors to contribute to that. But I think over a period of time, I mean, mean, people are adapting to, you know, implementing BIM. We ourselves haven't used the full potential of BIM. We are working Mm. with Revit on a couple of projects. Uh, We are looking at, you know, getting the libraries and all that up to date Mm. within Revit. But uh, it's yet a while where we're able to explore the full potential of it. Uh, one of the other uh, factors for it has also been, I think, you know, a lot of consultants haven't been open yeah, exactly, yeah. Right now to work with it. So there were some projects in uh, Bangalore, which we were going to be using Revit and these right. softwares, but then consult other consultants were a little hesitant to, you know, work on those. Yeah, that's the problem, right? From a, design, from a design aspect, there's some amazing design happening in India. I think, mm. I think the exposure level the kind of design happening here, it's its uh, parallel to any other place. And do you feel that uh, because of the pandemic, uh, you know, things are going to change for us architects and the way we are going to work? Um, there are a few firms like the multinational firms which already work remotely. They outsource projects to India. Indians get it done and then give it back. Uh, so in a way, do you feel there's going to be a hybrid of remote working and, uh, you know, working from the office? So, you know, we've, we've, I mean, I, I know there are multiple firms doing things like that. Uh, mm. I think uh, where the design gets done abroad and then there's uh, uh, drafting work which yeah. is done in India. We uh, started using a lot of these conference calls and things like that when we started working in Europe, right? Mm. So there were there have been multiple projects on which we've constantly been on these calls, Hmm. Right, with consultants abroad, while uh, through the whole life cycle of the design and you know construction period. So I think I think this interaction for us started about I would say two and a half three years back. Hmm. Right, so we kind of got really comfortable with having meetings online. You know, doing um, these visual meetings or video conference meetings and things like that. So I think our our office had already been exposed to that way of working, right? So it became really easy for us. I mean, I, I shouldn't say easy. I think that we had a, we had a dedicated team who was working on these projects, uh, which we're doing abroad. Mm-hmm. But, but the rest of the office was aware of <clears throat> the systems that we were using, mm-hmm. right? So um, we're all working from home. Office has been working from day one. Right. And I, I wouldn't say we're working at 100% efficiency, but okay. we're working at a very good efficiency level. Um, you know, we've set up some guidelines that we're following on mm-hmm. how, you know, we need to work through this time. And it's brought in, I would say, a lot more discipline. It's, it's really made people, you know, deliver things as per what they're committing. Right. Yeah, there's, no, there's no calls or there's no late coming on these video calls because of excuses of traffic, which has been great. Yeah. 
So, so I think I think it's been good. I think the office, the everyone in office has been very, very forthcoming, very adaptive, wanting to kind of you know be inclusive in this new way of working. Mm. So overall, I think we haven't you know felt a lot of stress through this period, right? In terms of work, because we've we've been working from day one on calls. And uh, is there any particular system that you guys follow which might, you know, benefit uh, the other architects? So, um, you know, multiple platforms today. You have mm-hmm. Zoom, you have uh, WebEx, you have Skype, you have, I think, Webby. What we've done is we've kind of, you know, got about 15 rooms that we've bought under Rati Associates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've broken up the office in teams. So each team is doing... Uh, you know, starts their day with a meeting in the morning. So they okay. start off their day with uh, a meeting, I think, at 9.30, uh, which are mandatory meetings. They repeat that, you know, before lunch or after lunch, and they repeat it again before ending the day at around 6.30. Mm-hmm. So these are mandatory meeting times for the teams. And it just gives everyone a break, right? Instead of just sitting, everyone's at home right now. So it just gives everyone a break, come talk to each other, whether you have work, you don't have work, you're meeting your team, right? Yeah. So that is something which we've done. And through the day, if there is work on a project, people are free to, you know, independently, generically interact and get on calls. What we've also done is we've set protocols. Each of these rooms that we've set up have a WhatsApp group associated with them where mm-hmm. the team members are, you know, part of it. Uh, we've set up some protocols on, you know, what is the minimum reply time for an WhatsApp message, for an email, and things like that, right? So there, these are some basic guidelines that we've put in place, which are actually working really well, which are working pretty efficiently, actually. Awesome. So in a way that, uh, yeah, uh, architecture firms, I don't think work has been stalled, but on-site, I think a lot of projects have stopped work. And uh, you feel that that would affect uh, the revenue for architects or you know, that architects have to take a pay cut or give pay cuts to the employees? I mean, we are not doing any pay cuts, right? We are not doing any pay cuts. And I think uh, things should be back, uh, should be back to normal. I definitely think, yes, construction will take a beating. Real estate industry, all uh, anyway, I think, you know, had a number of problems that it was facing. Mm. And uh, construction, definitely, I think, will take a little bit of a slowdown, but I think it should bounce back. It should bounce back. Uh, we've, you know, been fortunate enough to have design projects that, you know, we had to finish up. So we've utilized this time to, you know, finish up design projects to get in pace with, uh, you know, things which we wanted to keep ready when uh, sites start again. Mm. So it, it's been, an, uh, you know, time that we've used for things that were pending. Mm-hmm. which has been great. But yes, I think, uh, you know, sites being uh, uh, stopped definitely would have affected uh, a lot of the industry, right? Uh, a lot of our projects also, um, you know, teams that were working on projects where, you know, things were already completed, mm-hmm. but construction was going on, right? Some of those teams have just been sitting idle on those projects. So we've mm-hmm. transitioned them on to other projects now. Right, 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 so that they can help out finishing other projects as well. But yes, I think I, I think we all need to just wait and watch how this pans out. Hopefully, you know, things should be back rather soon. Uh, you know, all getting back to normal. 
but we'll have to wait and watch. Um, I just want to bring back uh, design. You know, cli- clients in India have a big influence on us architects and uh, there's a lot of changes back and forth. Um, and less than 10% of the construction uh, in India uh, is, you know, planned or designed by architects. So going forward, how much of an influence or uh, do we need to be as architects or, you know, change the mindset of a client, uh, you know, because they always think about more built out space and always expanding. Uh, it's something along those lines, right? So, um, I think India is a very cost-sensitive market, right? Mm. India is, in the, everything is very cost-sensitive in India. And I think, I think people are not exposed enough to kind of understand the importance of an architect, right? Mm. And that's why you see so much of, so many buildings. I mean, you, I think you mentioned a number, a percentage that 80% of the construction is not, uh, yeah. Uh, designed by architects. I think that is because of uh, people not understanding the importance, but I think that is changing. People are definitely mm-hmm. getting more exposed. Uh, regulations are coming in, which are making things more stringent. For example, the RERA, right? Uh, I think uh, developers are definitely getting much more conscious in the way mm-hmm. they build, in the way they want to build, and not to, do, not to have violations in buildings, right? They are. There is a definite increase I see in wanting to do good work, better work, being more sensitive to the environment, looking at how we can be, um, you know, more sustainable. So I think there is definitely been a huge, huge uh, increase in the number of people that I speak to who want mm. to do good work, who want to make a difference, which is a very exciting thing, right? Mm, yeah, and I absolutely. think. I think uh, we as architects, I mean, I think public spaces in India today are a disaster, right? Yeah. I think I think the government, there has to be a good collaboration with, between government and architects to see how we can improve public spaces. I mean, I think that is the basic level of, uh, you know, uh, exposure that you can give people to understand how design can actually evolve how you do things, right? Mm. Because if you have good public spaces, a lot of, I mean, look at the population in India, a lot of people don't really know what is good design and what is not good design, right? Mm. And and you can't blame them because you look at our roads, you look at our public spaces, it's a disaster. I mean, you look at, uh, for example, you look at what they did with the metro in Bangalore, yeah. right? So so I think, I think there has to be a good collaboration between the government, between BBMP, between architects. Uh, we all have to definitely be more open to, you know, taking up interesting projects for the city and, you know, mm. kind of curating something which is nice, which is de- definitely going to have an influence on how people also then perceive the profession. Do you feel that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not uh, vouching for this, but uh, there is some amount of corruption also in the construction industry, right? Especially in city like Bangalore, you keep bribing to get sanctions and all that. So, you know, we've never gotten involved with the, uh, uh, any kind of bribery and things like that. Mm. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm sure there, there must be instances where uh, cases like that happen, but we've, we've kind of been always, uh, you know, we've, we don't, we don't take up, um, you know, licensing work with BBMP, right? Mm-hmm. We will, 
get the drawings done, we will get all that done, but then we give it to the client and then clients get the sanctioning process in place. Yeah. Right. So I have never really come across that. So I wouldn't want to even comment on it. And um, coming uh, to, you know, academia and architecture, uh, the architects these days that come out, I mean, even in 2010 or the years before that, and you compare now, the educational and the um, the quality of education imparted here is still lacking, right? In substance and uh, creating really good architects uh, in architecture schools. So, like I said, you know, I think this really, I mean, I, I definitely think because we get a lot of interns, we get a lot of, you know, uh, fresh architects who, you know, are always applying uh, mm. to join and work with us. So I, I definitely think that has to be a lot more, you know, exposure that is given to, you know, architectural students uh, when they're coming out. I think the mm. uh, conceptual work, the uh, level of education definitely uh, can do with a lot of improvement, right? Um, but said that, I think it's it's also, I think, architecture as a subject is a lot to do with you know your own exposure your own thinking right mm. how you adapt how you kind of expose yourself as well right a lot of architecture according to me is a lot of even just common sense right to a certain mm. level right i i think that that has to i mean the whole system of education i think needs a little bit of a revamp because mm. i think we are not trained to kind of work on our own right mm. even yeah. even when we get trainees, when we get fresh architects, I, I, I always see this as a big problem. And that's what I told you, which was a great learning for me when I was studying in London, right? Because I, I kind of understood how to self-learn, how to do things on my own, which I think doesn't happen in India, right? I think, I think in India, you're waiting for approval on every step of your process, which definitely needs to change, which mm -hmm. I think, I think that is something which needs to change, uh, as in in every field of education every area of education and you also uh, do go to teach in architecture schools or uh, i think you have your own I institute right yeah yeah i haven't i haven't done that we uh, rati learning space is a design institute that we run it's mm -hmm. an interior design institute so i i teach over there right, right um you know so we started that i think about 10 years back and uh, my father, Mr. Rati, used to teach. He used to teach at RV and BMS. But mm. now he also teaches at um, our institute, which is the Design Institute. Right. All right. And uh, uh, how do you feel, like, since you studied in London, and uh, what do you feel that we should do to improve uh, the system in India, the architectural education system? Apart from, you know, is there any uh, practical steps that we could take or do you have any tips uh, which you have in mind i mean i i didn't go to architectural school in india so i have limited knowledge about how architectural school in india is mm. but um, i i think uh, um, you know conceptual work definitely can you know needs to be given a push how you develop a concept how do you translate you know a concept from its starting point to the final design you know, how do you create a story out of your design? I think that is very important, right? For for me, at least, that is very important. And and I think every project comes out to be different only if you have, and if you're able to kind of conceptualize a project like that, 
right? Otherwise, otherwise, how do you differentiate a project from one another, right? I mean, you're only working then with the bylaws, with you know the local, uh, the site, and things mm. like that. But if you really want to develop a story, you need to know how to build a good concept around it. You need to know how to translate that concept, right? So I think I think that is very critical. I think letting people do things on their own, not spoon feeding. You know, letting people explore, experiment, take risks, uh, work with materiality, you know, things like that uh, through college, giving them the right exposure. I think a lot of students that come out of colleges uh, in India, um, you know, don't have exposure. They haven't seen what is, um, you know, when you say you're designing a five-star hotel, there's so many students who come out who haven't even seen a five-star hotel. They don't know what it is, right? Mm. So I think they haven't seen what's, a restaurant. They haven't seen what's in, um, I don't know, a, a different kind of projects, right? So I think that exposure level is very important. And I think that needs to be built in. The other thing which I think needs to become mandatory is when you finish architecture school, right? You don't finish architecture school till you work for a number of years with a good architect. Yeah. Right today, you see architects who come out of college and start their own practice. Yeah, I think that's I, I, that's a disaster. Right, yeah. you really need to work with a good architect. Not necessarily you have to work with a big architectural firm. You can select a small architectural firm. You can select a you know work with a good architect. You're going to learn much more. You need to work for a good number of years. According to me, work with just two architectural firms for a period of eight to ten years. You know, give give that amount of time with, but be very very careful about the firm that you select, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to select a good firm, you want to get that experience, you want to learn, right? I I definitely think one of the things that we should change in architectural school is, you know, people should not be able to practice until they have finished their education and worked for a certain number of years with an architect and. You see a lot of people today, you know, we get a lot of resumes where every year a person has changed jobs. Yeah. What are you even learning? You're not even learning anything there, right? So you need to be able to work with a firm for an extended period of time. You need to be able to settle down in the firm. You need to be able to take responsibility. You need to learn. You need to see a life cycle of a project. Very, very important. Yeah, coming back to that question, right, where, you know, you need to be an entrepreneur these days and yeah. you can't just be an architect. Uh, you need to, because even as architects, when we see our friends doing so many things, we'll be like, okay, even I need to do something, maybe at least for the industry as an entrepreneurial or nowadays you call yourself as an entrepreneur. So, like I said, I think you can be an entrepreneur within architecture itself, right? Mm. I mean, but if you really want to, practice architecture and if you want to, uh, you know, really, but I think your core time needs to be definitely given to design because mm-hmm. I think if, if that is not done, then I don't think you're doing justice to the profession. But yeah, said that, I think, you know, as architects, I think we have a very dynamic space to be involved with right now because mm-hmm. age groups you see, you know, the working age group has suddenly moved from being the 45, 55 year old mm. to being a 30 year old, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, being a 22 to 25 year old also today, right? You have you have these entrepreneurs who have coming up who are, you know, handling billion dollar company valuations exactly. and they're not over 30. 
right? So how do you how do you actually adapt and design for that age group, right? Which is which is the interesting part of architecture because I think we're always evolving. I mean, you're always have you always have to be concerned about what is happening around you. You have to be sensitive towards what are the social, economic, cultural changes that are happening because that's what is the strength of architecture because you take that and then you get something new born out of that mm. which which is where i mean that is what i said that you know it's like a wayfinder for the future mm. which is very interesting for me right but i don't think you can do that especially in design if you're going to be doing multiple things right because mm. it's going to take up time you're looking at all these different aspects of you know life the environment cultural aspects social aspects and out of that you're blending your design which has to be aesthetic it has to be functional you know so there are many aspects to it so i think if you're doing architecture you need to really be dedicated to the subject mm. but get exposure from everything else awesome do you feel that um, it's not enough to be a traditional architect- architectural practice these days and um, you know you need to venture out into even other things like in your case you guys have started a, a school interior design school but apart from the school maybe even uh, other ventures which would benefit you as an architect your practice and also design so i think you know the school was not something you know which i mean i think our core yet remains design right mm. that's that's what we enjoy doing i think the institute was more from a point of view of you know being very getting out some really creative thinkers mm-hmm. right we i mean uh, i think we wanted to kind of bring inculcate that conceptual thinking we wanted to you know today when when you see a lot of architects they they know nothing about services right mm-hmm. you have people coming out of colleges they don't understand services they don't understand plumbing electrical air conditioning no so so i think i think it was more of you know it was started by my father and i think it was more of him you know finding and being passionate towards architecture itself and wanting to pass on his knowledge right so mm-hmm. that's how it actually started but other than that i don't think we have really looked at exploring into uh, any other avenues we've stayed poor uh, you know to design we've been true to design that's where that's what we enjoy we've been involved with architecture interiors we haven't looked at getting into anything else all right could you briefly tell us about any uh, interesting projects uh, that you guys have done uh, and maybe take us on a project uh, journey like right from the design phase Uh, to its construction and eventually handover so you know i think i think like i told you there are couple of areas that we work in mm. and you know residential commercial hospitality industrial i think every project that we take has is very distinct right because i i think our design process is very different for each project mm. so but couple of projects that we are doing in the city which are very for me you know very important because i think they're very important for bangalore as a city you know we we've, we've gotten into doing these sports infrastructure projects mm-hmm. we're doing a we're, we're doing a project in uh, you know the heart of bangalore and the cbd uh, oh, nice. which is for, which is for an uh, bangalore football club sufc south united fc 
mm-hmm. right? So we, we're doing this facility for them. In fact, I had extensive discussions with, you know, many international football clubs before we started designing the project. Nice. I visited a number of countries to go and see the infrastructure setup, the, you know, medical setup, the uh, gym facilities, the training facilities and things like that. Um, so what we're doing in Alsur is we have, you know, two football fields. We have one 11 aside, one five aside. Mm-hmm. We have a gymnasium. We have an uh, high performance training center. We have coach rooms. We have a 120 seater cafe coming up with it. And this is all in heart of the city, you know. I think okay. I think Indian sports internationally need to be given a big push, right? Yeah. And I think I think the Indian sporting infrastructure from a design perspective from a design aspects needs 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 really world class cutting edge design today. And yeah. I think that is why our interest levels are really high to work in this area. So this is something which we're doing in Alsur. It should be ready in the next two to three months once the lockdown opens. We're doing something like this in Whitefield, where mm-hmm. we're doing a multi-sport infrastructure facility nice. that's going to, you know, house uh, two football fields. It's going to have multiple cricket nets, uh, multiple basketball courts, multiple badminton courts. Again, it has a 60-seater cafe, supporting infrastructure facilities for coaches, for players. And I, I think these are really important uh, projects, you know. I mean, we, we continue to do multiple projects, you know, uh, from residential, commercial, all these areas. But for me, these projects have been really important because they're community projects for me, right? I mean, look at Whitefield today. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a dense residential and commercial, you know, collection put together, right? There's no space for people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there are no public spaces, there are no parks. So for me, projects like these are very, very, you know, important that we concentrate on just to, you know, rejuvenate all our, you know, suburbs, our cities, things like that. Yeah. So, so these two are very, very interesting projects to me. Uh, we're doing multiple projects in this area now, but uh, there is another project which uh, I, you know, which we did for Wipro which is very interesting. So this particularly I send you because, you know, Mm. I, I, you know, it was a really beautiful concept development. If you, if you look at it, if you go back to the plan view, Manish. Mm -hmm, Yeah. One second. Also, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, architecture in general has this bad connotation of being elitist, you know, serving only, Mm. only for the richer clients and not really serving the general public, you know, because uh, if you see what's happening during the COVID pandemic, the biggest brunt is being faced by the migrants and the general public, uh, the informal sector in general. So how do you feel that architecture could help, uh, you know, the lesser, you know, the backbone of society and uh, who haven't had that you been given? So, I mean, given, uh, just just to answer what you said, I think there's a lot being done even for the, um, you know, laborers. You know, there are a lot of our construction sites where laborers have been stranded. Mm-hmm. But I think we've all come out uh, as a community. I know a lot of developers. I know a lot of architects who have definitely are doing a lot to, you know, support them while mm-hmm. the lockdown is on. Uh, we have never been of the idea that good architecture gets created only, you know, by spending money, right? Mm-hmm. I think it lies in 
being able to create something where you know it's in it's you don't have to spend money i mean money does not drive good architecture right i think i think you're a good skilled architect if you're able to create something really beautiful even with the minimal cost with materials which are very uh, inexpensive so i think that has always been our firm belief all right yeah. all right uh, rohan uh, could you briefly tell us about uh, this project which you guys uh, have done this this was you know i i show you a area a smaller area of the overall project mm. but this is a project for vipro uh, it was an experience center that we were doing for them right and they wanted to showcase to their clients all the different verticals that they work with mm-hmm. and it was a very interesting you know space that they gave me if you look at the space at the bottom corner mm-hmm. right that was the space where the experience center is and right. uh, the top which is highlighted in red which is written as the real world mm-hmm. right that was where people people would enter to come into the space right and where you see i've written knowledge tunnel that mm-hmm. was a long passage which we had right so it was kind of a challenge because initially when we looked at the space uh, we had to convert an existing office like we had to kind of take out a couple of workstations and things like that and create this experience center over there but but the challenge was you know where you go from your entry point into the space you have almost a 60 feet long uh, passage Mm. so like i said i think it's really important to create a good story to your design what we did was we looked at it as the real world which mm-hmm. is the red color piece that i show you in the plan and then we looked at this passage mm-hmm. as the knowledge tunnel and what we did was you know when you enter from the real world into the knowledge tunnel mm-hmm. we created that tunnel with led screens on either side so when you walk through that you're getting glimpses of what wipro is about right you're nice. you're understanding wipro of uh, as an company as an organization of the different areas that they work with and we use the last space which is called the wipro zone mm. as an enlightenment tunnel right where you enter with a com- it's a white board you enter with no thoughts in your mind right mm-hmm. and then the, the these pockets of color that were created which had all the different verticals that we pro will be displaying to their clients right so that was the concept de- concept development that we did for this project so just to show that you know it does not matter on the size of the project right mm. it does not matter whether it's a big project or a small project but if you have a really good starting point if you have a really good story to it you'll always come out with something really nice and creative amazing so this is what we did this is what we did and you know uh, came out i mean it was very very well appreciated uh, and i think the whole story towards the design was very interesting as well yeah you can say like you know we need to be more sustainable uh, you need to implement a lot of uh, local materials um, but architecture in general like if you see in olden times it's had a profound influence on society um, mm-hmm. it's great that as a profession as this uh, grand field that we can use architecture in, to influence people's lives and mold how they work and how they play right no definitely i think i think you definitely it, it definitely has a big influence on how people do things right because think of it 85 90% of your time is spent within a built environment 
right? So, so the way you design that built environment can have such a big impact on you. The way, I mean, I think, I think yes, going forward, uh, you know, I think you are going to see buildings being a lot more sustainable. Uh, in India, I think uh, you see a lot of glass buildings in Bangalore, mm. right? Which I, which I think is a little bit out of context when you look at it from an Indian perspective, mm. right? I think you need to start, uh, I mean, I think we need to start doing things which, you know, will look at local materials. I mean, if you look at the history of Indian architecture, it's great, right? You look at our history, there's some amazing architecture which has been done. I think we need to draw inspiration from uh, within instead of uh, looking at the West. All right. Yeah, and hopefully even the clients would understand that it's not just uh, Vastu or it's not just saving money or using cheap products it's more about the sensory experience of more about the feeling of uh, that you get from architecture which i think is definitely on an increase i think clients are definitely more aware people want to do better uh, want better spaces want better designs so i think that is definitely on an increase at least all the clientele most of the clientele that we have definitely we saw a lot we see a lot more awareness in you know, doing a, a sensitive, having very creative, sensitive designs, you know, being conscious about the environment. We're working on a number of greenfield buildings right now. So yes, I definitely see a growing awareness in that. And how do you feel that the pandemic is going to change uh, our profession? Like, do you feel that's going to be like a before COVID and after COVID situation once this is over? Um. So I think, I think, I mean, not necessarily, uh, I think every profession is definitely going to see a lot more people being more open to working from home. We're going to see a lot more of, you know, video calls and conference calls. Um, but specifically to architecture, I think, you know, we as a firm have never been open to people working from home. I think this pandemic has really been an eye opener for us as well, because we've been able to work pretty efficiently. So uh, just the other day I was having a conversation and, you know, we were saying that even after the lockdown opens, why not explore the possibility of people working from home for uh, a little longer, right? But I think as architects, we really need to see how this is going to change the way people live, right? I mean, how can we do things where, you know, we maintain uh, cleanliness with least maintenance, we increase hygiene factors, how can we design things within spaces where you know you don't need human intervention? You don't need to be touching things. For example, mm. I mean, it can be the smallest of things. You look at today the way doors are open, right? Everyone is going on touching the handle. Is there a possibility where we get into? I mean, these are small changes, but we need to be sensitive towards these small things within our built environment, even currently. It's not about building something new. It's looking at you know the existing built up space and seeing what are the changes we can implement over there as well, right? Because I think that is that is where the strength of design comes in, right? Whether we can have voice automated elevators, right? Mm. So that you're not having to touch buttons. So these are small changes, but I think, I think you really need to sit, I mean, it needs to be, I mean, there will definitely be a lot of change in the way things are done, in the way things are designed, I would think going forward especially with hygiene factors and uh, cleanliness in mind. Yeah, and I feel there's going to be a lot of new uh, thesis topics and thesis ideas from this uh, situation. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, where is where do you see yourself, and where do you see Rati Associates ten uh, ten years from now? So you know, um, Manish, we've been a boutique firm. We enjoy doing things like that. We enjoy keeping it boutique. We uh, you know we like to spend a lot of time on projects that we do. Uh, we like discussion. We like interaction with our clientele, right? We we like to have an inclusive kind of attitude towards the project. Um, I would I would I would like to see us doing more public spaces. Like I told you, you know, we're doing a lot with sports infrastructure now, so that's a key area of interest for us. Um, those are few uh, few of the you know high priority projects that I, I see my, ourselves doing in the near future. But yeah, I think, I think we've had a good run. I think we need to continue that. We need to stay focused and dedicated. We need to adapt with, I think we've been a little laid back with adapting to, you know, some of the newer technologies, which is something I think we need to focus on a lot more. For example, implementing BIM, Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that, but I think I think we've been doing well. We haven't taken part in too many competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took part, we started taking part in competitions about three years back, and you know we've we've won three four competitions. Two we won in Europe. Two we won in Bangalore. Nice. So that was very interesting. Um, I see us doing a lot of research oriented work, which I would you know which is been of a lot of interest for us. Um, so I think that's how we would like to steer ahead. Awesome. All right. My last question to you is uh, what advice would you give to the young architects uh, and students coming out of architecture school? So I think architecture needs to be a fun subject. You know, you, you have to keep it serious when it has to be serious, but I think you just need to enjoy architecture, uh, because you can't get your creative best if you're not enjoying the subject, right? expose yourself, see things, travel, be observant. You know, for me, architecture, you're learning at every step, right? You go to a new restaurant, you're looking at what's happening there. You're looking at the materials, you're looking at the lighting. There's so many things you can absorb, Mm. right? So be observant, expose yourself more. Um, And most importantly, I think when you finish architecture, don't start your own practice, (laughs) work. Yeah. Work with a good firm, size of firm not being important, but the kind of work they're doing being very important. Uh, work for an extended period of time and then decide what you want to do. Awesome. All right, Rohan, that was a great session. We'll quickly jump into the good. quick fire round. Uh, sure. We don't really have a question from the audience, uh, but hopefully in the future we will. So starting off, uh, which book has inspired you the most as an architect? So one book which most architects read is Fountainhead when they're in college, mm-hmm. right? Ayn Rand. I think that's in that that's one of the most inspiring books for an architect. I think Fountainhead would be the book. But do you feel that the Fountainhead philosophy of uh, you know solo architect? Uh, do you feel that that still holds true? No. So I I don't think. Uh, working solo holds good in any profession, right? Mm. I think it's all about teamwork. Right. But I, I don't think Fountainhead's philosophy is about a solo architect. Mm. Right. It, I mean, it could be a teamwork. It's, it's more about 
the beliefs of an architect which mm-hmm. are getting which are getting bogged down because of the client and the person mm-hmm. who is spending the money for the project right and it's the frustration that an architect goes through right so i i think you don't have to be a solo architect for that but the frustrations that you go through as an architect because you know you can see what something is going to be like but not always are you able to translate it like that which there are multiple factors for it you know client aspirations being one of them all right um what's presently on your playlist or do you listen to any kind of music right now or, sitting uh, locked at home manish i think we're all playing monkey dance <laughs> yeah um what would you have chosen had you not taken up architecture so like you already know i chose computer science right and i came back to architecture so i don't think i i would choose anything other than architecture now i completely enjoy it i love the subject uh you know uh, i don't think there's a second choice for me um all right uh, which movie uh, has inspired you to a certain extent or we watch a lot of movies right as architects so i think um, there's this movie by uh, you know it's uh, called Shawshank Redemption mm. Tim Robinson and Morgan Freeman I, I watched it many years back but that was a wonderful movie i like the game uh, by michael douglas mm. right i mean the multiple movies i don't think i can pinpoint movies like that but i think these two are particularly uh, movies that i've really been fond of all right and as an architect you travel quite a lot right so which con- city would you consider your favorite london hands down i think you know london i studied there have a ton of friends over there i think london's a great melting point you have people from all over the world coming to london and it it actually has become you know a space where you feel so much at home because mm-hmm. i i think the brits are no more in london right mm-hmm. they've all gone away from london because everyone else from the world has come into london in yeah. fact uh, i was in london 2 years back and you know i was outside selfridges and i couldn't even you couldn't say you're in england right it felt mm. like you're in some arab country okay but uh, honestly i mean there's some arab music playing there these guys on you know rickshaws and things like that it 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 didn't feel like you're in london but i mean said that i think you know you have such a mixed lot of people and particularly for me i have i have really good friends now in london so it's always you know it's it's always a place i look forward to going back to yeah that happens actually in kamnali also in bangalore where you feel like certain places uh you know not in bangalore anymore yeah? yeah um all right and what does a daily routine in your life look like uh, maybe you could mention the one before the covid so daily routine in my life is uh, i i love working out so i go to the gym in the morning before office hmm and then office you know i get to office i finish up by 7:38 i would think every day come back home i have two kids so you know spend time with the kids and then in the evening maybe you know watch a movie or just go to bed i think that's that's a typical normal day mm-hmm. i've been learning the guitar oh nice i you know, i want to uh, my elder daughter plays the piano so i want to play with her in a band 
and so I've been learning the guitar. Oh, brilliant! So guitar has become part of my everyday routine. But yeah, that's that's what my day is like. Yeah, it would be great if you could uh, play a song for us. Oh, not right now. <laughs> I, I just told you I just started learning, but I will. I will next time for sure. All right. And uh, my last question to you is: uh, What is architecture? What is architecture? So I I think I mentioned for me architecture is like a wayfinder, right? It's all about exploration. It's all about experimentation. It's about taking risks. It's about you know not knowing and getting to a point through that exploration and experimentation, right? I mean. And and you get to that point. Yes, architecture has a lot to do with art and science mixed together. And, you know, you hear a lot of that kind of philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. That it's art and technology coming together. Yeah, that all comes together. But I think I think what is what what is the essence of architecture is to go from a point which you don't know to a point which you know, and you translate that with art, uh, uh, technology, everything you know you blend it all in together but yeah i mean i think it's it's a wayfinder for me it's you know a wayfinder for the future awesome thanks rohan uh, it was a great session i wish i could keep talking more about architecture and design you have so many good views and points which definitely will benefit the viewers and the listeners thanks for coming on good thank you so much manish thank you so much and uh, see you soon and uh, before I let you go, what's the best way our listeners could get in touch in case uh, they want to reach out to you? So, you know, I'm not very active on social media, mm-hmm. but uh, they can always uh, email me, uh, rohanrathi at gmail.com. Uh, that's my uh, personal mail ID. Uh, I, you know, so they can always send me an email on that. They can always, I do have uh, social media accounts. Right, so they can always uh, uh, connect with me on that, but I'm not very active on it. All right, so that was a wrap, guys. Uh, we had Rohan Rati from Rati Associates in Bangalore. A lot of great, interesting talking points. Although we had a glitch in between, we still made it through, and I'm sure we're going to have more few, a few more episodes like this, doing a live podcast. I hope to have you on in the future as well, Rohan. Talk more about design and architecture. Look forward. Look forward, Manish. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review. 